Welcome to Rogue Bogues, another episode to get through NBA, NBL, and all things basketball. This is uh, 84 Pro, we're at 84, almost at 100. How, how goes it in Dallas? Straight from a workout onto the Pod Pro dedication. Yeah, yeah, finally. Uh, it took like four years after getting shit canned by the Mavs, but finally got some people that actually want me to work them out. So, you know, can't really say much about their intelligence level about the people in Dallas, but what are you going to do? <laughs> no, nah, it's a good city. You love the. I enjoyed my time in Dallas. A very, very nice place to live. Oh um, no, it's fantastic. But without further ado, let, let's get rolling into our team of the weeks, pro. I'll let you start off. Who you got this week? I've got Houston Elite AU. I got them as my uh, team of the week. I mean, no way. What the fuck? Yeah, Are you serious? Yeah. Well, dude, they got two wins. <laughs> they got two. They had two wins this week. That is a big week. Which That's a big is, week for they Houston. only have five for the week. I gotta. I mean, look, they're an awful team, and they're not really going anywhere. But I gotta give them. I gotta give them. Uh, I gotta give them some props. Some, they got bit of love. Yeah, bit of love. A little bit of love. I mean, I mean, they've been so bad, and they win. They beat Oklahoma City one eighteen one oh five. They beat Atlanta. Uh, before that, on the Friday, 128-122, lost to Golden State um, on last Sunday, 127-120. They go two, two out of uh, two and one for the week. I mean, look, folks, like it's you know we say it all the time about Houston. They've got too many young guys. They got a lot of young talent. That's the only way you're gonna get good. But just so much young talent, especially in that backcourt with Porter Jr. and Green. I don't trust those two guys. They're talented. They could score, but they dribble the hell out of the ball, and it's just iso, iso, iso. And really, you know, the, I like the, 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 I think he's a Turkish kid, Sanguin, uh, the big. He's tough. He's, he's actually, good. He's good. Yeah, he's a little bit of like a Sabonis type who knows how to play and can back you down. I would love the Warriors to make a move for him, a friend of mine put this on my plate and I agree uh, to, to throw in Wise, Wiseman and something for Singen in a pick I think would be a great deal for the Warriors because he, he <laughs> yeah. would fit their system so, so well because um, he can he can pass the shit out of it. Like, all right, he's getting points points and rebounds. He's, he can pass, like really good vision. Yeah. He'd be perfect in that system. I'd, I'd, I'd probably think, you know, Houston know what they have. But I wonder, I wonder if Houston bite on that one for, for Wiseman, you know, um, and get a long athlete to put next to those other guys, you know? Yeah. I, you know, obviously, obviously Golden State wouldn't give up one of their better players for him. Um, I don't think Wiseman, maybe you throw in the other kid too, the, um, the kid can shoot. Yeah. You know, maybe you throw those two guys in. You know, because, I mean, Sal Sanguin's really good, as you know. I mean, he's really good. He's sort of like, yeah, it's like probably like a more more talented Zaza Pachulia, like smart, you know. Well, Zaza wasn't really a passer like that, but, you know, like. Oh, no, actually, he's, he's more, not, he's like a Sabonis. What are you doing, yeah. bro? He's, yes, yeah, Sabonis is a great comparison. And he just fits so well because he can pass. He doesn't need to score. He can score if you need him to. I just feel like that'd be something to look on. But yeah, Houston's fair. I mean, it's a fair, it's a fair one. One thing about them, the last six, they haven't been getting blown out. Um, so even in their losses, 
Uh, you circle back to their last blowout was against the Clippers. They lost by 16 on November 14. Since then, every one of their games has been in single digits, um, whether they won or lost. So that, there is a bit of improvement there, and, and, and at least they're giving a bit better effort even in their losses because early on it was a shit show. Early on when they when they were out of games early, um, <laughs> they would they'll toast, you know, and they've grinded, grinded at some wins. They got to get older, like on their bench. They got to get older guys, not older, older, but they got to get like the Eric Gordon of, of the world. You got to get, you got a couple of those guys, more vets, more just beef that up. I mean, look, you got to have to take your growing pains. You know, Orlando did it for a while. I mean, they do have talent. I mean, if you, if you just look in individually, Green, you know, Sanguine, Jabari Smith, even though he's not having a great year yet, like, you throw that talent in, Porter Jr., you know, you throw those guys in there, like th- those four guys, that's a talented group. Not enough to win games in the NBA yet, but if you add you add some vets, you let those guys sort of get it. See, I think Jalen Green to me, he, he's probably the perfect backup, like the perfect like Jordan Clarkson type player that could get you like 30 off the bench, but you probably don't want to start him, in my opinion. But... Like they got all this talent, but it's not it's not like it's not Hall of Fame talent where it was like Oklahoma City when they had Durant and those guys, but they have good young players. They just gotta learn some things. But look, if they didn't win two games last week, I would have never given it to them. I don't care what I mean, they're bad, but I mean they have five game five wins in the first twenty and two two this week. Gotta give gotta give I gotta give Houston AAU select a little bit of love. That's fair. That's fair enough. Um, and they'll, they'll, you know, they're, they're young, so we're not expecting them to win games right now. And they're in the same kind of. They're probably two years behind where OKC was, you know. So they're 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 kind of going to be an OKC in a couple of years, where hopefully they can get a bit more wins. And OKC has been playing better, so we'll see how that goes. This week, pro my team of the week for the third time that you listeners weren't here because we've edited out all my mess ups. Um, <laughs> the Phoenix Suns, pro uh, four straight wins. The only reason they got my team of the week is they're the only undefeated team of the week. Every other team just inconsistent, inconsistent week and a very hard week for team of the week, in my opinion. Um, a lot of a lot of teams went two and one, one and two, one and one, but they uh, they rolled off four straight wins. Chris Paul's not in the lineup, so a big out for them. They beat the Utah Jazz, they beat the Detroit Pistons, the Lakers, and the Knicks. So look, Lakers are playing better. Detroit up and down, they're, they're not that good. Utah, I think, are pretty good, and New York aren't that good. So not a lot to go by with the four wins, but they are. They are playing pretty well, and it's just yeah, it was it was really tough to pick um, for me and 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 for pro. You know, you went with the Houston Rockets, so <laughs> that, that shows yeah, you. That's no, 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 yeah, not in a bad way, but the Houston Rockets are winning team of the week for, for any week on this podcast. Fucking it's nuts. been a pretty bad week, so we won't go too in depth in the numbers. We know the Suns are doing well. The Suns are, I think, they're currently in first place in the Western Conference, uh, mind you, pro. So they've surged their way up at thirteen and six. Denver now in second, so they're, they're playing well as well. They're a notable mention, but they they've won two straight now, but they lost one earlier in the week. Um, the West is wide open, so it's it's been fun to watch. But let's move on to my team of the horrendous week, uh, very weak. I'm going with your guys, pro the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, they mm-hmm. they are not playing great basketball right now, and um, there's a game on as we speak. So we might well it looks like it's going to be over. It's one fifteen to ninety seven with eight minutes left. I assume that's going to be a loss in Milwaukee, and they're not. I don't think they're coming back there, but you never know. It could be wrong. Anyway, so that's going to put them on their fourth straight loss um, of the week. 
What's concerning here, Pro, is their strength of schedule. I know we touched on this a little bit. Um, they're on the bottom half of the league, strength of schedule-wise. They're 17th in the league, so they have not played the best. Um, they've had a very kind of favourable schedule early on, Pro, and they're not, just not winning games. They just, uh, they're struggling to put it together. They're, they're very inconsistent. Um, we know, we're talking about from the start of the season on this podcast about how great Luca is, but we both had concerns and still have concerns that he's probably doing too much. Um, that there's, you know, he's their MVP, but you look at look at Giannis. I feel like he's still he's he's an MVP candidate again. Joel Embiid MVP candidate again. They have when healthy. Those teams have some horses where they can have bad nights and win. Dallas, Luca has a bad night, they lose, and Luca has great nights. They still lose. They're, they're nine and nine. They're going to move on to nine and ten after this loss to Milwaukee. Um, they just, yeah, I, I think it's Luca or nothing, and it's. It's concerning considering their schedule that's going to unfold here after the new year where they're going to play much tougher teams. You know, they might be in a plane the way they're going. You know, it is, it is early still. Um, I get that. But, you know, they're below 500 for the first time in a long time. And you look at Golden State above them, they're surging. All right, Utah Jazz are kind of falling, but they've got some good teams above them. So um, I think I still think they'll be in, the, you know, the seven. They might be in a plane though, bro. I, I don't know what your thoughts are, but... They just haven't looked as good and as sharp as they were last season. You know, Bogues, they, you know, Boston sort of had the same deal last year, um, but they had two. They have a franchise player in Tatum and Brown, who's sort of that borderline franchise guy, all-star type. And they got a bunch of good vets that could really, like, step up and do their thing, you know, Al Horford and things. And then they made that trade, that small trade that ended up being big, where they got, you know, they got a couple of guys, they got rid of Schroeder and they brought in a couple of pieces and they they went on their title run or their, you know, championship, making the championship run. I don't think Dallas has that in them just because they don't have that other horse with them. Like, like this, you know, beginning of the year we talked about him. I thought Spencer Dinwiddie's just too inconsistent. You know, sometimes he's unbelievable. Sometimes he's just very average. And they haven't had that other player to really step up to take that, pressure off of Luka. Look, Jalen Brunson, um, you know, did an unbelievable job from last year. And look, he's got his, he's got his weaknesses like every player in the league does, but like he fit because he could get Luka off the ball. He could, he could run that second unit. He could score. He's smart. He could do different things. They just don't have that other cerebral player, in my opinion, that's consistent. You know, Dinwiddie's talented, but he's not consistent. Dorian Finney-Smith can only do so much offensively. Um, you know, Tim Hardaway Jr. has been a disaster as far as consistencies goes. Pro, what's happened with Hardaway Jr.? Like, I thought I thought he would be a good fit off the bench for him, just a gunner. You know, he just he's regressed massively. I, I know he had a bad injury. He's coming back from injury. Maybe he's still battling that, but yeah. he looks like a shell of himself, man. He looks does not look like anything like what they traded for. The biggest question, and again, I get I get blacked out of ninety eight percent of the Mavericks games, so I got to watch them like two days later on the league pass, but like, like NBA Twitter uh, in the Dallas area, the question is like Christian Woods, 17 and eight, but he never closes games. And people are saying, well, you know, what's going on? They question Jason Kidd's coaching. I don't question Jason's coaching because of the fact that Christian Wood isn't the smartest of guys. You can't really play too many bigs anyway. And if you're going to play a big, you know, late in games, he's got to be smart and he's got to be sort of locked into things. And that's not Christian's deal, unfortunately. Like, Christian's a good player that I would play in the first three quarters, but I would really be wary of playing him late game. 
And that's been just a question of why he's not closing. And I don't know why. I just sort of go with my intel and what my eyes tell me going, you know, throughout his whole career. But Bogues, he just don't have enough. I mean, going into the year, I thought they could have been a like a, a borderline finals team if 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 things went right, just because of Luca and putting those other players in good positions to be successful. But if they're not going to get, you know. They're not going to get consistent play out of Hardaway or somebody else. Bullock, you know, Bullock's never really been a guy. He's been, a, you know, a spot-up shooter. He's never been a guy that being a double-digit guy or anything. But they just don't have enough. Brunson was what he was. He was a guy who can get you an 18, 19 consistently, smart, second unit. And I'll tell you what, like, we don't talk enough about who – he's done a great job in, you know, in year two is Josh Green. You know, he went from – yeah, you can't put him in a game last year and to somebody who could you could play 20 minutes a night. He can give you energy. He's not he's not knocking the ball. He's not Patty Mills by any stretch of the imagination, but he makes a three once in a while. And they've done a great job with him with his development, but yeah, I I just don't think they have enough. They've they've been underwhelming. I mean, it is early, but I just don't know where this like surge is going to come from. You know, I don't I I just don't see it, but We'll see. You know, it, it's still early. And Luca's look. Luca's a gun, but he's leading them in points, rebounds, assists, and steals per game. Um, and look, we know what he brings, and he's a walking triple double. But I, I just think there needs to be more of a balance. Um, and, and he's, you know, he's got to he's got to be getting worn down at times. You know, I think it's it's, it's hard to put him on your back every night. They, they currently, as of today, they're twenty seventh in points per game at 108.7. They're 30th pro. Get this, 30th in rebounds per game. <laughs> it's a pretty, pretty bad formula. They're 28th in assists per game. Um, where, they're, where they're somehow getting the job done is opponents' points per game, a second, second in the league, yeah. 106.4. So somehow they're, they're playing great defense. They can't get the damn rebound. Um, and they're not sharing the ball. Obviously, it's in Lucas' hands a lot. But 28th, um, with some of the guys they have on that roster skill set-wise and some of the lob threats and whatnot, they should be at least middle of the park assist-wise. They're concerning numbers. They're bottom five in points per game, rebounds per game, and assists per game in the league. Um, thankfully, their defense is, is, has been very, very good, but they can't get the rebound. <laughs> they're getting stops, but teams are getting second, third opportunities. So they've got a lot to clean up. I don't think that's going to, you know, Christian Wood, you know, he's a num- gets his numbers, but is he going to get you that tough physical rebound when you need it? Probably not. They might need to make a move for a big. They might need a, a big, solid body. JaVel McGee was supposed to be that guy. He's fallen out of the rotation completely. Dwight Powell's taking his minutes at the starting spot, and he only plays maybe 10 minutes max. The rest is all small ball. So that's a dangerous small ball. You're going to be 30th in the league in rebounding, and, and Dallas do go small a lot. So it will be interesting to see if they make any any adjustments down the line. But uh, um, a little bit of cause for concern early on in Dallas. Who do you have this week, bro? San Antonio Spurs, team of the week. Uh W-E-A-K, uh, 0-3 in the week. Look, they're they're tanking, but you know what? They're not tanking. Like, you you know. Early on, they weren't. They came out real quick. Yeah, and they're, like, they're going hard. Like, they're going hard, Bogues. And, you know, I, I expected more. Like, I expected them to, like, lose every game. And then they're just coming on to, like, they haven't had huge injury issues or whatever. It's just their way they play. Like, their typical – their typical team of like guys who aren't ISO guys who try to play like ISO guys and it ends up hurting them in the end. Like, you know, they, they played, you know, and, and to talk about the scheduling folks, how many of these like home and home, I mean, like home and home with the same team 
back to back do we see like it's crazy like they played the late it's like, changed first, right yeah that, that yeah. they introduced that during covid right and they've stuck with it yeah it is interesting yeah. They played like the Lakers three times out of the last four games, twice in a row, um, once in LA, twice in a row in San Antonio. And they're just like, they play lifeless at times. Like Vassell and Keldon Johnson are guys that are good on the break, good, like, you know, when you penetrate, kick to them. Keldon jo- Johnson can get you a bucket once in a while, I mean, a lot with his isolation, but like, like he's either really on or really not. And, they get blown out of games. I'll tell you one guy, the Mavericks, talking about a Mavericks big that they should be targeting is Jacob Podol. I love Podol. I think he's um, I think he's very undervalued. I think he's smart, um, could really rebound, great floater, good pick and rolls, tough kid. I really like him. I think he's a good player. I wouldn't give up the world for him, but I think he's a guy that's like Boston's going to probably, you know, depending on what happens with their health of their bigs. I think I think that there's going to be a couple of teams really looking at this guy at trade deadline, especially if they're not really trying to win games. But it's weird. They got a decent little group. Like, you know, Trey Jones is solid for them. You know, uh, I think Vassell is probably one of the, you know, most improved player award guys. He's averaging 20 and four. Keldon Johnson's at 20 and four. Sohan's one of the better rookies that like no one really thought much of early in the year. He's like a Dennis Rodman type. You know, he's averaging eight and four. Their bench is okay with Richardson McDermott, but man, like sometimes they just play lifeless and just jack up shots. It's it's ugly to watch. Again, we don't expect much of them anyway, you know, but I, I just I was I expected more like uh CJ was out for New Orleans and I thought that that, that was a good chance for them to win and they got fucking blown out of there, and then they lose two in a row. They had a hard-fought game against LA in the second night of the back-to-back last night, but they just don't really have enough. What, what are your thoughts on them, folks? I had them. I had them until I uh, realized Dallas was playing so poorly. I had I had uh, the Spurs. Not only have they lost three this week, they've lost eight straight overall. And back to reality for the Spurs, their losses against the Pelicans were shorthanded. The Lakers back-to-back, um, and Lakers are, are not good by any means. So. Yeah, I think they're they're in a full tank mode, or they will be within the next couple of weeks if they're not already. Um, they, they started off so well. They were first, I think they were not first, they were second or third at one point in the West yeah. <laughs> early early on in the yeah. seasons. Um, and Utah were first, and now now they're falling off a cliff. But yeah, I mean they're, they're we didn't expect much from them, um, but they've probably you know, I'd agree they've had they've had you know one of the worst. Um, Couple of weeks, if not week, in of the season, but uh, yeah, Dallas, Texas, Texas is struggling, and Houston. Oh, the, the state of Texas is in is in shambles. <laughs> Pro, what's going on down there? You know, so uh, must yeah, be in the not water good right now. Books. Yeah, it must be in the water. Yeah, so not good. All right, that's our teams of the week in both week and week. All right, uh, what do we have here? Pat Bev, Pro, uh, suspended for three games for shoving DeAndre Aiden. What are your thoughts on this? I think it's a very heavy suspension. Uh, three games for a push. Now, it was because it was a, a dangerous, hostile act. He obviously pushed Aiden over another body uh, who was lying on the ground, whoever that was. I think it was, uh, was that Reeves? Or someone was on the ground that he pushed him over. Yeah. Um, and he's, he's had a bit of a habit of pushing guys in the back. Uh, Book has mentioned that in, in a press conference and he, he did to Chris Paul a couple of years ago. It's definitely his forte to an extent, but um, three games is a bit harsh in my opinion, but I think this might just be because he's done it before and because 
maybe the back was turned, but I don't know what your thoughts are, bro. Three games, fair? It's a little heavy, Bogues, to be honest with you. It's a little, it's a little much to me. Like, definitely a game, definitely a fine. Um, three games, I agree a with little that. bit much. I think one game and a fine. Yeah. It's fair. He's, the only thing about him is he's got that villain sort of status of, you know, the stuff that he's done in the past and some antic stuff, you know, trying to rev the game up, but... Eh, I don't know. Three games for that. I could see if he like took somebody's legs out in a hostile act going to the basket. He shoved the guy. I'm not saying shoving the guy's right. It's definitely wrong what he did, especially in the back. But it wasn't like he put the guy's health in danger. He embarrassed him a little bit, fucking shoving him over and that. But I, I, I think that's a little bit. I think it's a little bit harsh. Yeah, especially when you consider guys that maybe. Somewhat flagrant foul, a guy going for a dunk and they fall awkwardly. That they they generally get maybe a game, maybe. Um, and then you know, like that's your point of saying it wasn't it was hostile to an extent because there was someone next to him when he fell. But I think the 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 you know what I said about a guy off a rim or whatnot is way more severe, and those guys usually maybe maybe get a game, you know. So um, pretty heavy handed. I mean, look, Papev kind of his antics are getting a little bit old, and I think a lot of a lot of people would agree, and I think the league's probably just said, you know what, like the tough guy stuff, we're going to cut it out now. That's, that's enough of that, and we're, we're going to try to hopefully make you not, not not do that again. But in my opinion, a little harsh. I think I think what you said, I agree. One game, um, a slap on the wrist with a fine, which would be a game check anyway, would be fair enough. And then if he does it again, and then I'd jump up to two, three, four, five. But a little bit harsh there. Um, but what can you do? Gordon Haywood's. Uh, have you read this whole debacle in Charlotte, pro? To do with Gordon Haywood's injury, I saw the, I saw it on Hoops Hype, but I didn't go in to read it. Read it, but I, something about the injury misdiagnosed. What? Yeah, what, so what was, uh, Charlotte apparently having a habit of misdiagnosing injuries. They they put out a statement about Gordon Haywood. Now it's a guy that's been pretty injury prone, um, so he's probably a bit touchy about it. As I was when I was you know playing, I hated you know not hated that tag, but I thought at times it was unfair because I had a lot of high-impact stuff. He's a little bit, you know, probably disappointed by getting hurt again. They came out and just said he has a he has a uh, left shoulder contusion, pro. Um, so he was copping some more hate online, as, as, as always happens in the, in, the, in the sports world on social media. His wife, Robin, comes out and blasts the Hornets saying they've misdiagnosed him publicly yet again. Um, uh, and made out his injury is not as bad as it is and that he has a left scapular fracture. Uh, she also goes on to say that she was speaking to a mother of uh, some other players on the team um, and they were in agreement that the same thing had happened to their uh, their sons at some point um, in the past as well where the, where the Hornets had released uh, statements underplaying the injury. Now, some people might argue they might underplay it to not you know, not put out intel. Um, sometimes teams do that strategically. They might say, oh, he's day to day when you well know he's out a week or two because it messes with team scanner reports. They, they might think he's playing, whatever, whatever, whatever. But on the other side, there's, there's some teams that, that do it as a way to try to put pressure on you to come back earlier. Um, I've been part of those teams before at times where, where coaches will say things or GMs will say things or the PR statement reads kind of like open-ended, like, oh, no, he's all right. He's just kind of near the night and when it's something more severe. So um, if this is something Charlotte's doing, it's, it's disappointing. Uh, it's disappointing that his wife had to come out and defend him. But um, I have to keep an eye on that one pro moving forward because you, you never want to see that. And I think the best what, the best teams usually that I've – all the good teams I've been a part of that have a great PR guy, 
great coaches, great GMs, they'll come to the player and be like, hey, how do you want to handle this? Like, you know, you're going to be out two weeks. Do you want us to put this? Do you want? How do you want us to word it? They usually send it to your agent sometimes. Some players don't want to deal with it. They might send it to your agent. The agent might say, oh, the wording is a little bit, you know, vague. We want to shore that up because it's a contract year or because of this or because of that. That's good teams. Bad teams will just put a statement out in their best interest. And it sounds like this is kind of what, what Charlotte has done, bro. That's unfortunate. You know, you see so much of what's going on with medical. You know, it's funny, Bogues. Like, you know, I was going through the hoops hype to see what to talk about this week. I'll tell you what, there's a lot of fucking guys banged up like this early in the year. Like, 100%. Literally, yeah. literally, it's like nine pages of this guy's out, this guy's, this guy, this guy's got this, this guy's got that, this guy's coming back from this, this guy. It's unbelievable. I, I, I didn't notice it that much in the past. This is. A lot of people banged up, but, you know, like, remember with Kawhi and the San Antonio deal, and, you know, you have all these medical things that come up with teams and the diagnosis and what they put out and mistreating injuries and, and misdiagnosing. It's, uh, you, well, you the Spurs think, one with Kawhi was, was that was big news because it was like two different messages from his camp and Spurs camp, and that's inevitably what you know, they say he's a reason why he left. Remember that whole ordeal? They were saying one thing, yeah. you were saying the other. <laughs> and and I, I've heard of teams putting guys, like putting guys a little bit more on the injured list, you know, especially people at the end of their rookie deal. You know, so they're qual- – like I guess with your qualifying offer, um, you got to play at a, at a certain percentage of games or you have to have some type of numbers. And people were like – like at the end of the year, sitting people out on purpose so they don't reach that game threshold and, um, you know, to to lower their, like, qualifying offer number. So you got a lot of, like, goofy stuff that happens with these medical teams sometimes. I mean, I was lucky, like, the one in Dallas is really good, Casey Smith and those guys, they do a great job. But, like, I've heard of some shit shows, you know, with some other organizations that are, like, you misdiagnose, miss, you know, they – they they rehab the injury wrong. There's a lot of stuff that goes on that that the casual fan doesn't really pay attention to. Probably should. It's uh, yeah, it's pretty interesting stuff. It is. It is, and there's always you got to read between the lines a lot of this stuff. Um, so sometimes teams will set traps for other teams. Sometimes they you know don't tell the whole truth for for a reason strategically as well. So you got to kind of watch out for that. All right, Pearl, we've got a new segment. We've got a new segment. We're going to do every week. Uh, it is Aussie Watch. I uh, had some listeners for a while now saying, you know, can you give us an update on the Aussies in the NBA? And I thought it'd be a good time to bring this in real quick. We don't have to go too in-depth, but what we're going to do week to week is we're going to kind of go over how all the Aussies are doing real quick, just stats-wise, whether they're playing or not, whether, whether they're doing well. Um, and we're going to give our Aussie Player of the Week. So nice. this is the the inaugural, the first, the first of the first. So all you listeners, you're, you're in for a treat. But um, let's get rolling with Dyson Daniels. Uh, he's cracked the rotation in New Orleans. Um, got, you know, I know someone there and they've, they've told me since training camp, this, this kid's going to play. Um, he might not play early on because it's a veteran coach, but he does so many good things. Energy, length, multi-positional player. You know, he's still learning how to play to an extent, very, very young, but just – Good feel for the game um, and a good solid week for him. 7.6 points, 3.6 rebounds, 3.3 assists and a steal per game off the bench for New Orleans. Uh, they had some injuries there at times, but he's 
he's a very, very good player pro and he's going to be a very, 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 very good pro for a long time because he just does so many great things. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are about, about Dyson, but he's, he's had a pretty good start to the season. No, he's definitely energetic. Um, again, watching him play and then watching his pre-draft stuff, I think he's a good player. He shows energy. You know, I, I think if you give energy and you've got like one thing that you can do to get in the game and then you just do the right things, you're about the right things, you go hard every day, you stay focused, you know, and it, you really care about it, I, I think you could be good. I think he's a good player. I think he's going to be a good rotation player. Um I'll tell you what, it'll be really hard for him to to crack that lineup, you know, with Ingram and, and McCollum being there and even Herbert Jones playing well. And But as far as starting lineup, but I think he could really be a second unit guy that he might have to move on to another team eventually to be a starter unless they move somebody in the front unit. But I think he's he's somebody who has a lot of upside, a lot of future because he's such a good kid and he's such, he seems like he's a, a just a good player and a good player, you know, good person to be around. So I, I definitely think he'll have a future there. Good week for him. And for those who haven't heard this already, I played against his father when I played in the the SEABL league here in Australia when I was with the AIS. His father was on the Bendigo team. He was an import that just had retired in Bendigo, married, stayed local. Uh, Dyson grew up out there. And um, he's also got a younger brother who's who's got a chance to be very good who's coming up the next couple of years as well. But um, good on Dyson there. Josh Green we spoke about earlier. He's cracked the rotation for Dallas. Pro, you spoke about that his three balls getting there. Well, get this, Pro. He's shooting 48.6% for the year from three. His improvement has been huge compared to last season. He had a night last week, Pro, uh, 23.6 for seven from three. So he's shooting it with much more confidence. Last season, he didn't shoot it with confidence. It was more of a – he just always put it on the floor and tried to attack the rim. Um, 6.6 fouls in 70 minutes in a loss to Toronto this week and – and 22 minutes uh, for three points in a loss to Boston. So he's in the rotation. He's starting to find, you know, he's having those games where he's showing what he can do, just has to put it together. But yeah, 48.6% from three pro, that's not too bad. No, no. And they got a really good shooting coach by a guy named Peter Patton, does a great job. And, you know, I mean, he obviously put the work in. I was a little worried about him his first year. You know, he wasn't really in the rotation. I think he missed some time. I don't know if he was away from the team or maybe that was their other rookie. I'm not sure, but he was just inconsistent. And, you know, they couldn't play him really in the playoffs that much. And then this year, he's he's been really solid. You know, he played for you guys. Um, he played for the national team this past summer, right? Yeah, he didn't play, he didn't play a lot, but he was, um, yeah, he was on that, on that squad. I believe he was on that squad. Um, yeah, he goes hard. Sure. And, yeah, it goes hard. Every time you see him play, he goes hard and – um, actually, I think he played. I think he played in the playoffs a little bit. And he just, you know, his shooting just was inconsistent this year. Look, he's taking two threes a game. Like you said, he's making forty eight percent and um, fifty two nine. Or did you have forty eight percent or fifty two nine? Uh forty eight percent, forty eight point six. Has it gone up? Oh, Maybe one today. Okay, cool. Uh, oh, you know what? That it, it's probably from today. I think I, I did my stats this morning. Um, it's cool, but like, yeah, I think he's a good player. I think he's going to be a rotation player for a long time. I think he gives you energy. Good defender, um, really good defender really as well. Good defender, um, really yeah. good defender. Uh, but yeah, didn't play a lot of Olympics spot minutes here and there. But uh, he's got an opportunity to to earn some minutes there, especially when they need you know they need they need a few more young kind of live live bodies in that squad. All right, Jock Landau, this is a, a weird one, pro. Um, 
playing really well. Uh, we, we had raps for him. We love Jock Landau. He's been, you know, on, on the Rogue Boys podcast. He's a Rogies. giving us some time to tell us about his story. But uh, playing really well early on in the season, finally felt like he finally found a spot where he was valued. He knew he was getting 10 to 15 a night behind Aiden. And then the last three, he got, sorry, he got the last four, he got three straight DNPs out of nowhere. They went with Bismack Biombo and then played five minutes in in uh, their last game. Um, and he had four one and one in five minutes and played well. It was a plus in, in a close game. Um, he was a positive plus minus. And then Monty went in the press conference again and mentioned that, uh, yeah, we're still not going to see too much of Jock in the future. That was just an anomaly that I threw him in there today. So don't know what's going on, but he's, he's had a great, Start of the season, he's played well, but all of a sudden he's just, I don't know, he's in the bad books of um, Coach Monty Williams and not playing as much. And I, I don't think it's anything that he's done or there was. there's definitely no off-the-court indiscretions or anything of the sort. It's just he's fallen out of the rotation for Bismack Biombo. And, and I think, you know, CP3 out of the lineup, you know, doesn't help Jock's cause to an extent because the guards they all of a sudden have now are a, a bit more shoot first than CP3 is and CP was playing really well or Jock was playing really well with CP in the lineup and getting a lot of easy baskets. But uh, I'm scratching my head at this one, bro. You know, Bogues, it's, there's nothing worse than, you know, being a rotation player, knowing you're going to get your 15 minutes a night, doing well, and and then just sort of things change and, and they just go to a different direction. And it, to me, it doesn't make – a lot of sense because look like DeAndre Aiden is a plotter inside athletic guy, you know, inside scorer, you know, decent defender, rebounder, whatnot. And usually you want to change it up when you go to a different type of player guy, a little bit more skilled, a little more cerebral can pass the ball uh, a little bit more basketball IQ than Aiden, as far as making some other, you know, other plays, but you go Biombo, who's a big, strong guy that plays inside. Now, Jock hasn't made the three three ball this year. Obviously, that that's a part of his game that he needs to a little bit be a little bit more consistent with. But like, he gives you a different dynamic than than Aiton does. And to go with Aiton and now Biombo, I just don't think Biombo helps you. Like, if you're in a series and you're playing a team with a big hulking center, I don't even know if there's yeah, any of those yeah. guys left. Like if you're playing in beat or if you, you, make, if you make, make the finals, yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like that's where I want Bayambo. Yeah, yeah. And your point to him not making the three, I argue that he's shooting the twenty percent. He's not shooting the ball well. But I've watched some of the games. The great his ball, it, it's all looks fine. They're just rimming out. He's in one of those ruts. They're not. It's not like he's airballing, right? But I would argue that for every three he misses, he makes up in just he runs his ass off, man, and gets oh, a, he dude, gets one no or two dunks cow. a game. Just one or two yeah. nights, so it's like it evens out. But just it's just strange they went away from him um, out of nowhere. Now they've won four straight, so maybe he's out of the rotation for a bit. But I, I have a funny feeling that when CP3 comes back and he's healthy, that Jock will find some more minutes. But a um, bit of a head-scratcher on that one. Matisse, Thibel, uh, something's going on there. He, he played three minutes versus Brooklyn about a week and a half ago. His last three, he's been injured, bad ankle. Uh, is it a case of that? He's he's trying to you know strategize his way out of there. I, I can't understand how he's not he's not playing minutes because they're like worried about his offensive game when when PJ Tucker is. Um, and I'll, I'll get into that in, in in the useful useless as a stat around this. But um, yeah, he's he's out of the rotation there. We don't have to get into that one. Patty Mills completely out of the rotation. Spot minutes here and there. DNP today. Seth Curry. 
big game today. Um, at I think twenty seven points off the bench or thirty points off the bench. Paddy's basically lost most of his minutes. He, he'll get three or four minutes here or there in a short little burst, but he's he's looks like he's going to be out of the rotation to Seth Curry being healthy now. Jack White has uh, some small garbage minutes with Denver Pro. Um, he was at Melbourne United a couple of seasons ago, and he's got a, it's just good to see him on the court. No, no real uh, mind-glaring stats. Um, Ten minutes against Denver in a close game. He had two blocks in that game late in the game. So no real minutes there. Daly, small garbage minutes, nothing to write home about. And the runner-up for the Australian of the Week, uh, this was Josh Giddy for me, 13 points, 7.6 rebounds per game, 5.6 assists per game. Um, he's going to put those numbers up the whole season. They're just not winning as many games as, as – as, not as I thought they would. I just thought they'd be a bit more solid. Like the loss to Houston was just a bad loss for them, so they're still figuring things out. Um, strong preseason from three pro. I don't know if you remember. Remember he was shooting 40s in the three? Um, from the three in preseason. Well, he's regressed ex- right back to his number of last season, which is 26%. So the three ball for him is is a must. And, I, you know, he doesn't need to be a volume three-point shooter. He doesn't need to be a guy that's gone, you know, four for five or whatever. But he needs to knock down one, maybe two a night, and his whole game is different. His whole game opens up, you know, and um, he's the runner-up for me. And I'm going with Ben Simmons. I'm giving Ben Simmons the love as the Australian of the Week pro. Um, he, I think he had a great week. He had a slow start to the year, but his week this week was 12 points a game, 12 points, 6.7 rebounds, 6.5 assists, 2.25 steals, and 1.5 blocks. So a pretty good stat line, very, very solid. Starting to find a bit of form and confidence. Pro, the best thing about this week, uh, and it's a small sample size, I know, he was 7 for 11 from the free throw line. Um, small sample size, but he's a different beast when he's hitting free throws. Um, even at even, even if he's hitting them at 55, 60%, he's a different beast. You can see his confidence, his, his, his shoulders are all, all of a sudden not slumping. He's attacking the pain in fast breaks, not scared of getting fouled. When he misses, you know, three or four free throws early in games, he kind of goes away from it. So he's still, he'll be the first to tell you, he's still a work in progress with finding everything and putting it together. But I'm giving him the, the, the first ever Rogue Burgers Australian of the Week goes to Ben Simmons. So I'm loving seeing him finding some form and then winning some games again, pro. Bogues, look, for you know, for the Simmons deal, like everybody's on this whole three-point kick. Three-pointers for him, don't worry about fucking three-pointers. If he didn't shoot another three-pointer the rest of his career, he'll be fine. The two most valuable shots in the NBA isn't the three-point shot. It's finishing in the paint and your free-throw shooting. You go, like, statistically, average three-point shooters around 35 36%. Um, that will give you about 1.2 points for every three-pointer you take. Like, you, you're going to get back about 1.2. People usually shoot 65% in the paint at the rim. So that's giving you one point, like, close to 1.5 points per, you know, per shot in the paint at the rim. And then free throws, if you shoot, you know, say 75%, 80%, say you shoot 80% from the line, you go to the line for two shots, it's creating 1.6 points per shot, like, you know, per shot, you know, per two, sh- you know, two shots in the, for the free throw line. So if he could get to the paint and finish consistently and get his free throws to 70%, 75%, that's more valuable than taking threes over over a period of a career, especially somebody like him who's going to get to the paint and get to the rim and, and get to the free throw line because people are going to hack a shack him. 
So don't worry about the three-point shot, in my opinion. Yeah, look, if you can make a corner three once in a while, great. But if he can make free throws and he can get to the get to the paint and and finish, that's that's much more valuable, you know, than anything else that he can do, you know. And yeah, like I said, three-point shooting in the future, fine. But the free throw shooting is the biggest thing. Like if he could just tunnel vision himself, get to seventy percent from the line, you know, now now you're not as much of a liability. It's not everybody gets on this three point shooting kick, you know, because everybody's lemmings falling off a fucking cliff. They hear Jeff Van Gundy throwing about it, Doris Burke yelling about it, all these people yelling about three point shooting. Like, yeah, it's important. Don't get me wrong, but if he can make his free throws, he'll be. You could play him in close games. You can't play a guy who can't make his free throws in close games. You know, at any position. So, yeah, I, I agree with you with the Simmons thing. I'm glad. I'm happy for him. I hope he continues his success. I'm not a fan of the guy, but I I, ne- I ne- definitely never want somebody to fail. Um, I think he'll, you know, hopefully he could just sort of stay steady, you know, g- going forward. Yep, good to see. So that's our strains of the week. We'll try to do that every week and just give a quick rundown on, on who's doing well and who's not. And, uh, yeah, well, we'll, hold we'll check on. In I'll pro. give you the... I'll give you the fire my fucking trainer and get our fucking Instagram award for this week. It's going to go. <laughs> okay, justice. let's do it. Yeah, remember. Now, here's the criteria, folks. you got to play 15 minutes a game. There's a game requirement. Right now, it's at 12. you got to play 12 or more games. 15 minutes a game. And the shooting numbers are under 42, under 30 from the three, and under 70 from the line. Now we have two all guys. All three of them, on, right? On. Yeah, you got to have all three. Justice Winslow, he's a, he's two for two, thirty six point mm-hmm. nine from the field, sixty three point six from the free throw line, twenty three point one from the three point line. Jalen Suggs from the Orlando Magic, forty one point nine from the field, sixty five point seven from the free throw line, and twenty nine point four from the three. Jalen Suggs, welcome to the club. The pink slips are coming out this week, gentlemen. You don't you stay off Instagram. TikTok of you know all your tennis ball drills that you do with these guys. These guys need to get in the gym. They need to meet their free throws and start making some shots and fire their trainers because obviously those guys <laughs> uh, have been a waste of money up to this point. So Winslow was on last week too. Who was the other yes. one? Kobe White now. So we've got Jalen uh, Suggs. White. We've got a third wheel. Welcome to the club, Jalen Suggs. So yeah. Uh, the pro. We'll go, we have to figure out. Give us, give us some clues for some names for this segment. Uh, people want to hear some names for our fire trainer pro runner of the week. I like it. Um, but we're going to do that one and the Aussie one. So give us some, give us some tips on that. All right, uh, double double is betting meets social media on double. You can follow your friends and mates and stalk the experts, training tipsters. Scroll through trending bets and copy them all in one tap. At the moment, they have a promotion on that if you. If someone copies your bet, you get ten cents uh, to your account. So jump on nice. on board and put some put some uh, multis out there. And I'm on there, Andrew Burger, all one word. Download the app, the App Store. Dabble, all one word. Dabble socially. Gamble responsibly. All right, NBL Australia News Pro. Um, James Duncan is gone from the Brisbane Bullets. Interesting decision by the Brisbane Bullets. They started on five. Uh, so you would have thought that if you were going to fire someone, you'd do it then. But he looked like they were coming into a bit of form. So then they did play Illawarra a couple of times, which always gets you a few in the win column. They're not doing too well this season in, in old Illawarra. But uh, there was a fever break. They could have let him go then. They didn't come back. He had another loss and they fired him. What's interesting here, Pro, is, and 
I'd have to get the NBL fact checkers out on this because I don't. I think this might be one of the first. I could be wrong, but I believe it's maybe they, back in the day it happened. But the GM that fired the head coach is taken over as head coach pro. Uh, I'm not sure if this is indefinite. Um, I'm not sure if this is just till they find a replacement. It is not, no offense to the assistant coaches, but it's not a great sign for your, of confidence in your assistant coaches if you're taking over as the GM. But the, the, the GM is Sam McKinnon, former NBL superstar, teammate of mine on the national team, great fella. Not off to a great start. They got absolutely pummeled on the weekend. Um, but an interesting one, I have not seen this. Um, and NBL fact, fact checkers or gurus out there, let me know if this is a first. But uh, has anyone else gone from the GM wearing a suit to coaching. It's does save the board some money though, Pro. I think it's, I, don't, I doubt they're giving him two different salaries. <laughs> so I think no. they, they get a bit of a no. discount. And then who's doing who's doing the jamming now? If they need to recruit someone or cut someone or wave someone, um, it's hard to put that on your head coach as well. So a lot going on there in Brisbane, Pro. I'm not sure your thoughts on it. It's always tough, folks. I don't, you know, obviously I don't know much about, I don't follow the league as much as I should. Um, but as far as that whole situation, it's you know GM all the way down to, to the to the coach. I know it happens in the NBA from time to time. I know Kevin McHale did it when he was in Minnesota. Um, I know Popovich did it. I think Popovich fired Larry Brown or Bob Hill, one of those guys, and and, and took the job from being GM to coach. But I don't. Um, it's a little weird in in an overseas international game for that to happen. So yeah, if I'm the assistant coaches, I'd probably be finding somewhere else to work. You know for sure because uh, it's not really a good it's not a good sign. I mean it's yeah you know, I don't want to joke about someone's job, but it's it's not a good sign when they don't really feel as though that you're ready to lead, um, and they and they and they just take the job. Now maybe the owner said yeah, again I don't know anything about this. Maybe the owner was like hey look you know maybe we'll sell some seats or whatever. Maybe this guy's got a name. I don't know. But uh, definitely not a great. I think it was situation. a budget decision, bro. If I'm if I'm playing devil's advocate, I think it's hard to probably find someone right now. So they probably just thought, you know, we've got a guy with half decent basketball IQ there. We'll let him do it and see how it goes. Or maybe it's a case of the owner said, "Hey, GM, you built this roster. You told us it's a winnable roster. Show us. Put your money where your mouth is. It could be that as well. Who knows?" Um, but I mean, what I'm hearing is they've got they've got someone in their sides from overseas, and it might 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 come to fruition maybe down the line, but um, who knows? I mean, it's, it's 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 one of those things that you never want to see. I know James Duncan very well. Great, 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 great man, great gentleman. Uh, he was an assistant coach at the Kings when I was there. And um, you feel for him, but that's that's his business. It's harsh. It's, it's harsh and brutal. And he's coached all over the world, so he knows what it's all about when it comes to this kind of stuff. Uh, the Christmas Day game pro. So the Sydney Kings are hosting the first ever Christmas Day game in NBL history. Um, it's something that we as a group, the ownership group, um, and myself, I pushed for this because I was like, let's let's just try and see if it works. It's it's kind of taboo here still, pro, to play on Christmas, you know. Even though it's not the most overly religious country in the world, there's a lot of naysayers, especially the football codes, because they haven't done it before. Oh, you shouldn't do that. It's sacrilege. It's a family day, all that kind of stuff. We're giving it a try. And the good news is that um, Channel 10, which is a, a free-to-air network here in Australia, they they're gonna they're gonna pick it up and put it on the um, the main the main national network, which is uh, which is a, which is great news. They're gonna pick up the game um, and put it. You know, free to wear all over Australia on Christmas Day. So we're hoping that you know most people would love to watch some sport. I know I would. I would, I would watch any 
any kind of sport on, uh, on, on, on Christmas Day uh, rather than the reruns of Home Alone and all the other stuff they put on, Christmas choirs and whatnot. So it's a good sign um, that the game's going to be nationally televised uh, for the, you know, the whole, the whole country of Australia Pro. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty interesting stuff. I'm, I'm sure, you know, it's a great opportunity, although it's, you know how it is, Bogues. It doesn't matter if you're NBA or NBL or, you know, what have you. You'd probably rather try to be home on Christmas. But, you know, look, if it, they're opening up new doors and new marketing opportunities, why not? Why not try it and go from there? It's, uh, yeah, it'll be an interesting deal. Yeah, and that argument, there were some people with that argument spending it, the time with their family. They, they shouldn't be playing a basketball game. Well, I'll tell you this, there's a lot of, a lot of teams in the past three or four years have played on the 26th of December. So uh, yeah. for those people that aren't, aren't too quick using their brain, that means someone's traveling on the 25th. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, you're either yeah. on a plane or in an arena. Um, so that's, that's the business we're in. And, and you know, I, know, I, think the, I think Christmas Day in the NBA is a great day. I think um, spending time with your family and then watching two or three games is, is always good fun. So um, I think it's a good thing. And a bit of down news. Now there's been some, um, you know, there's been some, there's been an article on the Australian Financial Review regarding a, the the uh, owner of the Adelaide 36ers, Grant Kelly. Now I'm just going to read this article. Um, I'm going to give an opinion on it for numerous different reasons at the at the sure. current time. But this this article has uh, this news has kind of slipped under the radar NBL wise. It hasn't been mentioned in basketball circles. It hasn't been mentioned by any NBL journalists or reporters nationally. Which is you can read what you want into that. But uh, there there was a so let me read this article out. Um, he, so former vicinity boss Grant Kelly is now considering legal action. Former boss of shopping center giant Vicinity Centers, a massive shopping center um, company here, uh, abruptly left the company following two separate findings of sexual harassment and a dysfunctional workplace, has met lawyers to consider legal action against the company. Uh, Kelly's basically said, I, 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 I'm reserving my rights, uh, confirming he's met with his lawyers, but he's restrained from saying too much. However, he strongly denied he was forced to leave the company because of sexual harassment complaint. Um, on Tuesday, it was revealed that Kelly was a, was a subject of an internal inquiry by vicinity into allegations that he made repeated inappropriate and sexual comments to a former co-worker, Marie Fester, who at the time was vicinity's head of corporate affairs. Fester made a number of allegations against Kelly, including that he made intrusive comments about her attractiveness and boasted to her about his sexual conquests. Kelly had previously announced in October he was retiring as a CEO within the next six months, but a day before the group's November 15 annual shareholder meeting, it was announced he would step down just before the allegations surfaced. Vicinity says it expedited his retirement after some allegations raised were proven and in, were proven in an, an internal review, revealed a dysfunctional workplace and discord arising from some of Kelly's behaviours. We take allegations of misconduct very seriously and follow a strict protocol to address concerns. Um, and, and when they are raised, that was from vicinity. Kelly said he cooperated fully in the sexual, sexual harassment investigation. He denied the allegations and said he maintained the, that denial. My decision to leave vicinity had nothing to do with those allegations or the investigation. While I'm not happy in the, which, in, in the way in which it all happened, it has allowed me to get onto my new initiative and that is good for everyone. And he just talks about... Uh, Starting up a new fund and whatnot. Um, Festa, who resigned this month, said while she was not a fragile person, she was infuriated that the remarks were made. The kind, this kind of sexual harassment can make you question whether you're actually being valued because you're good at what you do or whether it's because they have other ideas about you. She told that to the Australian Financial Review on last Tuesday. Um, so a bit of uh, a bit of 
news from the NBL world, from the executive rooms pro. So not not good news on either front. We're not going to comment on this just because it is still alleged on from from both sides. Grant Kelly is denying it heavily. Uh, Marie Festa is saying it happened. So uh, we'll see what eventuates from all of that pro. Useful or useless time, some, some more happy, cheery stuff now, pro. Joel Embiid <laughs> is first in free throw attempts per minute in NBA history, pro. You believe that? He's number one at 0.31 uh, per minute, which is pretty crazy. So um, you know who number two would be, pro? Who did he surpass? Um, if I had to guess, maybe Chamberlain? Will no, Chamberlain. it was Cham- Chamberlain's in there. He's number six at 0.25. It was Shaq at 0.27 and probably an asterisk there because he got hacker shacked as well, right? So he's number two. Bob, Bob Petit is number three at 0.26. Hey, John hey, Drew. Bob, Pet- yeah. Bob Pettit, you asshole. Bob Pettit, not Petit. He's not, he's he's petite. not a 5'2". No, it's Pettit. It's he's, not, pe- he's not a 5'2". No, but he's a small man, isn't he? He's nice and petite. <laughs> no, he's six ten. He's a big guy. <laughs> I'm joking. I'll take that God, one on the chin. So... Take that one, Bob Pettit. Bob Pettit. Fair enough. Fair enough. I deserve that. All right, number four, hey, John Drew. Fix that. No, you can leave that in. Uh, John Drew's number four point two six, tied with Bob Petit Pettit, uh, and number five is James Harden at point two five. Now I didn't know much about John Drew. Do you know much about him, pro? No. Do you even know what he replayed? The oh, Drew so I googled. Brothers, so I, I, I had. I had no idea. Um, Yeah, it intrigued me because I don't know shit about – I know a lot of shit about the NBA names and stuff, and this one came across my page. I was, John Drew, I'd never really heard of him. So I Googled, and this this rolls into another useful or useless stat, I guess, but no. um, He was 1970s and 80s, played for the Hawks and Jazz, small forward, um, gun of a player, like put up big numbers. Well, obviously he's top – top six in, in free throws attempted per minute in NBA history. He was the first player ever banned for substance abuse in NBA history pro. David Stern banned him for life. Um, so he, he was out of the league with some substance abuse, went and played in the CBA and then was making his journey back to get to the NBA and then um, relapsed again. And then after his relapse, David Stern was like, we're not going to accept him back. And this was a, he was an, he was an awesome, like a really good player, man. 18, 19, 20 a night back then. Now deceased. Um, may rest in peace, but Just a very sad story of, of of a gun. Yeah, he did actually earlier this year. Um, a very sad story of a, of a sensational player I didn't know much about. So for people out there want to read more about that, uh, stay away from drugs, of course. But the the stat itself for Joel Embiid, pro, useful or useless? Oh, useful for sure. Just shows the guy gets the free throw line a lot. I mean, I, you know, obviously his shooting percentages, it's not like a Shaq situation where he's getting, um, you know, it's hacker Shaq deal. He just gets the line. Yeah. Yeah, it's a hulking. You know, I, I would have thought that James Harden would have been up there, you know, like number two or something like that, if, if I had to guess another guy. But um, that 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 is pretty – you know, I know James is fifth, but um, it, I think it's useful for sure. It just shows that he gets to the line a lot, and it's an effective way to, to produce some points. What do you think, folks? Gets fat a lot. Yeah, seven foot, can put on the floor, Euro steps guy, he's got a post game, shoots threes. So, yeah, he's, he's doing a great job and he's getting to the line and he, he draws a lot of fouls. Some people say he, he he's searching them. If he's searching them or not, he's getting to the line. So very, very useful, I think, and um, a bit, they need him healthy. You know, he's you know he's been in and out of the lineup, hasn't played for a couple of games now, so hopefully he can get right. All right, who uh, – you, you'll never guess this, but who do you think leads the league – Lee leads the NBA in loose balls recovered, pro. 
I'll give you three guesses. Okay. Um, loose, loose, loose balls recovered. Recovered. Um, let me look up. Not that stat, but let me look up some stat leaders, maybe steals or something. I'm just going to guess here. Hold on a second. Main stats. Uh, I will say... No, I was going to say maybe Alex Caruso, but he's too he's hurt too much. Um, I don't know. Steph Curry. Luka Doncic. No shit. Leads the NBA and loose balls recovered. Yes, they were talking about it a couple of days ago, and a lot of that is down to the fact that he's playing 40 minutes a night. But um, I don't know whether it's luck or position or smarts or whatever it is. He's not the quickest guy, not the most athletic, but he's somehow getting the loose balls first. So pretty uh, interesting stat, bro. Useful, useless. Um, loose balls recovered. Now that can mean, you know, I, I tip the ball out. I'm guarding yeah. a post player. I tip it and it falls to Luca, right? <laughs> so it can I mean, also mean that, right? But I think it's useless because it's useless because it just seems like it's a very lucky thing. You know, I mean, not that he doesn't get on the floor and gets loose balls, but I'm just saying if it's tipped out, I mean, a lot of guys could just be in the right place at the right time. I don't know. I would say useless, but what the fuck do I know? What do you think? I would say useless as well. I think useless. I think the same thing. Look, I think he plays a lot of minutes, so he's on the court more. I'd hardly uh, regard Doncic as a guy that's going to dive on a loose ball. Like, and that's not knocking him. That's like him being smart. Like, you don't want Doncic diving on a loose ball, like Ala Delvadova or some or Caruso. These guys that are Beverly nitty gritty. They're trying to get an extra. You don't want him doing that because he might get injured, right? And he's the he's the the be-all and end-all of your team. So I think a little bit of luck involved there, but you got to put yourself in those positions. I think his basketball IQ definitely puts him in positions where he thinks the ball's going to go or they get tipped or end up, so it helps. So a little bit I'd – go, I'd go 70-30 to useless. So I think there's a little bit of usefulness in it, but for the most part, useless. So move on from that one. All right, PJ Tucker has scored 20 points in the month of November through 11 games, bro. Um, that's the stat. But the reason why I want to discuss this is because – they, they say, you know, Matisse isn't playing because of his offense, offensive output, not shooting the ball well. Well, PJ Tucker is. And I would argue Matisse is, you know, okay, he's not as physical as PJ, but I think like for like, they're pretty similar defensively um, in the echelon of great defenders. Matisse was, you know, all defensive um, team member a, a couple of seasons ago. I've scratched my head as to how Matisse is not getting minutes and PJ Tucker's playing 35, uh, 20 points in 11, 11 games, which is, you know, under under two points a night. Um, but the stat itself, pro, useful, useless. I mean, I think it's pretty useful that he just can't score. I mean, he just not – he just can't score. It's just not what he's doing. And um, I'm not – I think PJ – look, PJ gives you a little bit of – Physicality and, and obviously he's smart. He's been around the league a long time. Um, I, I would say it's useful because just because it just shows that he's not he's a non offensive player, and it's useful to me that I'm evaluating like why Thibault isn't getting minutes, and you know why would like you said why wouldn't you give Thibault minutes? He's young, he's your future as far as a guy who could be a rotation defender, it could be a starting defender. I just don't understand why he's not playing. I know it's not a Thibault thing, but I don't know. I think it's pretty useful. The guy's just not an offensive threat. To a team that's run with a GM that you need to be an offensive threat to be on the floor. You know, a three-point shooter, and he just, 
Yeah, he's just not getting it done. Although he's shooting 38-7 from the three, but still, it's uh, yeah, I think it's useful. But what do you think? I think it's useful to say that Matisse deserves minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm yeah. a bit of bias because I'm a, he's an Australian and whatever. But if you're if you're reasoning for Matisse not playing, his inconsistencies offensively, you know what he brings defensively. He's he's long, athletic. He's I've seen him guard Luca well, KD well. Seen he, he's a great defender one on one. That's why you got PJ out there, but. PJ's giving you the same output offensively. I'd argue that if you had Matisse out there in the last 11 games of PJ's minutes, he'd have much more than 20 points. So we know PJ is valuable, great role player, but that's why I think it's useful. So just an interesting one. What do you got for us this week? Fact or fake news? All right, folks. A lot of talk about possibility of Durant heading back to uh, Golden State. Forget about the Durant trade in a second, but the Golden State Warriors will trade one of their top four players. Not mentioning names. I don't want to put you out there with that. But I'm just saying, like, the Golden State Warriors will trade one of their top four players for a player this year. And, you know, so not not a wise man, not a, you know, not anyone like that. But top four, they will trade a top four player to acquire another player by trade deadline this year. Factor figure. Mm, who's who's that Golden State? Yes. Or they keep the team intact. Fake news. No, I don't think they're doing anything. They're keeping it intact. Maybe some tweaks. I read they're trying to they're trying to get a big hurdles being floated. Uh so that on hoops hype. Um so they, they do need a, a looking to get a big strong bulky big, which probably is a bit of an indictment on Wiseman once again. Kind of makes you feel like he's gonna be in the G League even longer. But I don't think they're moving their 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 big four as as you might call it. Yeah, I, I say I say fake news too. I don't I don't see them doing it. I, I definitely think Wiseman um I, I, I think that at least Wiseman will be on the move. Um Kaminga, if not Kaminga and Wiseman will be on the move. I think they will acquire another player and I think both those guys are gonna be on the way out. And I don't know um I don't know what it's gonna be for, but if again it's all speculation. I think I don't think they'll trade one of their top guys. I, I think they'll trade, in a, in a, and trading those two guys won't get you Durant either. So probably not going to get Durant, but they'll get they'll get somebody for those two guys. Somebody's going to unload somebody for those for those two. I don't think either one of those guys will help you win NBA games any anytime soon. I'm not a Wiseman fan. I never have been. And Kaminga, and not that Wiseman's not a good player. Like I said, I think he's a Dwayne Dedman type. Um, I've said that since he was a rookie. And um, Kaminga, you know, he's all right. But I I say they're going to make a smaller trade. So I say fake news on that one. All right, folks, so a lot of talk, you know, MVP talk, blah, blah, blah. You know, you hear Luca's name a lot. You you hear Giannis's name a lot. You would start an NBA team today with Luka Doncic, over Giannis, if you had a if you had a pick, you had one pick out of those two guys. You're picking Luca over Giannis, right? Then today, fact. Oh my God, group. bro! What are you doing? There's there's no right answer here. In my opinion, there's no yeah. right answer or wrong answer. Um, yeah, for sure. if it was me, based on body of work and what I've seen. Uh, as of today, so they're both they're both young, coming to their prime. I mean, Luca's a much all-around better skilled player. But Giannis is just an anomaly with the way he plays and moves up and down the court. Um, and I think Giannis can play multiple positions to an extent, uh, five, four, maybe even a bit of three at times. Um, 
for some mismatches, but generally four or five. It's a coin flip to me, bro. I, I, can't, sure. I can't call it either way. I would just – I would side today. My bias would be towards Giannis because he has a championship. So that's the okay. only reason I'm leaning that way. But I, I, I would say fake news just based on that. That's that's the merit sure. I'm going on. But you know, you, you can't you can't you can't fault either of them, in my opinion. No, 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 not at all. I hate these arguments. I, I don't, and I don't think it's an argument. I'm just asking you your opinion. And I say it's I say it's fact. I would take Luca, and only because of the passing and the big shot making. You know, I'm a huge passing fan. If if you got vision. And it's players even close in evaluation, but one guy's got passing. Not that Giannis can't pass, but the 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 the, uh, the ability to find guys, you know. Plus, he's got the ball in his hands so much, you know. I, I'll take that, and then also the big shot making, you know, like clutch shot making, tough shot making. I think that even though neither one of them are three point champs uh, by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm taking Luca. Well, Luca just one. takes would, so many tough ones. Luca just yeah. takes some ridiculous ones. It's like he gets bored of the game sometimes. The ability, I'm to, this. but the ability to take yeah. like half court fucking shots, stepping out of bounds, like he's not afraid Crazy. of anything. Yeah, it's nuts. It's and the way I'd compare bird, it. Yeah, yeah, since hundred, yeah, the bird falling out of bounds shit. But the way I'd compare it, Giannis, Giannis's wins are rebounding. Pain points, and I think he's a much better, def- like not even close sure, defensively, sure. Um, yep. better than than Luca. And like like you said, Luca, shot making, passing, and just playmaking in general. So, look, I think as far as playmaking, you take Luca ten times out of ten. But Giannis just continues to get it done, and he's been doubted a lot. And I think Giannis brings a lot too. So, um, the championships the kicker for me. Next, last one, folks. Both Miami and Dallas underachieving. I would I would assume that. Both of us would say uh, both an eleventh place in their respective conferences. Um, one of those teams will miss the playoffs and play in. Fact or fake news? One of them. Fake news. They're not missing. Not fake news. If you would have said that they're both going to be planes, that's a tough one. Because, um, but yeah, I think they're not. They're not missing. If you look at, you look at the East. I don't trust New York. I don't trust Chicago. Charlotte, Orlando, and Detroit, you can put a line through. Um, Wizards, still, who knows? Are Indiana going to free fall eventually, maybe? Yeah. Atlanta, yeah. still not still not completely sold. Toronto, bit inconsistent. Brooklyn, playing better, but who knows? Um, and then you go, out, you go out to the West. I mean, Utah, free falling. Portland, yeah. Portland will be somewhere around there. Minnesota, look horrible in my opinion they're they're, oh, they're, brutal. they're going to be around they're going to be around there and i think you know line through through houston line through san antonio almost a line through the lakers okay city uh, maybe scratching the surface but i doubt it they're my bottom four of the of the last five so then it comes down to you know minnesota utah portland sacramento are up there as well they could free fall um, it's out of those for that 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 tenth spot, in my opinion. So I don't I don't think that'll be I don't think Dallas will be in the bottom five. I think they'll they'll salvage their way out of it, like you said, a la Boston last season. I don't think they're going to make the championship, but I think they'll be they'll be in the mix for a plane at the very least. And so will Miami. I think Miami will find Miami's had a lot of injuries, man. Miami's Miami's yeah, they're banged up. They haven't played well. They haven't played well, but they they haven't had a consistent lineup. It seems since training camp, like someone's. They've always got a vital couple of guys out, two important role players, or the next game it's an important star player, and they'll find their legs. And Riley will be down there, 
you know, getting into them. Um, I'll, I'll a documentary, um, a Showtime documentary series. Um, so cool. we'll see how that goes. But uh, I don't, I don't think, you know, I'll fake news you on that one, bro. Agreed. Agreed. I, I would, uh, I would say fake news to that. Like, um, I'll tell you what, Carlisle should win Coach of the Year for what he's doing in Indiana so far. I mean, you know, I'm not, you know, like I said, not on his Christmas list, but the guy has done a good job. But I, I can't see those guys. I could definitely see him trading Turner and or Hill and not getting much back in return for either one of them, and and then them just free falling because those guys are playing great for him. And um, but I could see them free falling out of it for sure. And that's the one team I could see free falling out. Possible Washington, New York, but I could see those guys hovering around that. But at least Indiana is going to fall. Miami will get better. They'll get healthy, and they'll 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 be in there. Um, as far as Dallas, you know, Utah's going to fall out of it. Minnesota circling the drain. Sacramento playing well, but you never know. Um, yeah, and then you never know. There's probably going to be a freak injury. God forbid on one of those two conferences, you know, on an up above team that's going to fall somebody out. So I, I could, I mean, I don't, I, I know those both teams are struggling, but as crazy as it is, like Dallas is only three and a half out of the first spot in the West, and you know Miami's only six and a half out of the first spot in the East. So I mean, obviously, it's not a lot. To, they don't have to travel that far. They're both tied for ten, so they're, they're you know, right now. Right now, they're right in the thick of things as it is. So, yeah, I say it's fake news. I'd, I'd see both of them making it. Yeah, still very close. Still very, very, very tight in that 10 and 11 on, in both conferences for the most part. So, uh, we'll see how that we'll see how that all goes and hopefully it changes in the next couple of weeks for those teams. All right, that wraps up the latest episode of the Rogue Boys Basketball Series. Appreciate all the support. Let us know about a name for pros rant about his, his trainers um, if he doesn't get shot between now and the next episode. And uh, we'll see you all next week, pro. See you next week if I'm if I'm here. If I'm not, I'm sure there'll be some other jolly Aussie in my place. So, yeah, hopefully I'll see you guys next week. Let's get rogue.